To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 86. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, your new favorite sports podcast. Thank you for all the listeners and subscribers and everybody that has been following our journey. Please continue to follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on our social media platforms, which mostly we're active on IG and um, Twitter a little bit, but most of IG. Make sure that you tune in for Player of the Week, NBA Player of the Week, any the MVP ladder other sports content that you might enjoy. And of course, we drop our podcast information where you can find us on some of our major platforms that you can find us on. Of course, the Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So whichever platform that you love to listen to your podcast, make sure that you have subscribed to us so you can be notified whenever we drop an episode. So we thank you. Now that I've gotten that all out of the way, What's up, fellas? I got Ramon, as always, with me. Carlos with me. The voice you're hearing right now is Rob. The original cast is here today to discuss sports. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing good. Good, man. Yeah, we both rocking. We ready to do it. Y'all took a little minute. Y'all all right? Y'all show? Yeah, we didn't know who was going to dive in there first. Y'all took a couple seconds. I was like, I don't know how I'm feeling today. I'm glad everybody's doing well, man. Los got the fresh cut, man. Shout out to your barber, man. You got your line looking right, man. I like that. I like that. I like that. Oh, I used yeah. to be able to do things like that on my end. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> now rocking the beard and the bald head, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to jump into it, man. We're going to jump into the biggest news that has been released so far in the sports world. To Carlos Sadness, there's a Rams fan. We heard that J.J. Watt will be going to the West Coast, the NFC West, and join the Arizona Cardinals. As a free agent, man, the Cardinals are getting another weapon on defense. Um, not much more there, but we got somebody else that could compete with Aaron Donald in that in that uh, division. Los, <laughs> as a Stop defense, it. as a defensive lineman. <laughs> Stop, man. I mean, but we... JJ Watt's resume speaks for itself. The things that he's done for that Houston community. But now we have a two-time defensive player of the year, former defensive player of the year. Uh, he's he's been a force every year. He's had some injury hiccups throughout his career, but his resume speaks for itself. A great defensive player, a great player just in general. And I think I would expect that that would give Arizona a shot in the arm on that defensive side, guys. So react to that addition of J.J. Watt, former Houston Texan, headed to Arizona to the West Coast to join the Cardinals. Well, I think it's I, I think it's huge, man. I think it's huge. We. You talk about the impact of him being a former decent player of the year, as you mentioned, and you think about that team already had a good offense. You know, their defense was okay. You know, they had some key pieces. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here now because they didn't get him cheap. You know, I think the thought at one point was him getting released, he was going to get a cheap deal somewhere, you know, to go win a championship. But they paid top dollar almost for this guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they work that with the cap situation. I'm, I'm, you know, I still think they finished third or fourth in the division. You know, I, you know, it's a lot that has to happen between now and the season start. But I think they're going to have to sacrifice other players, players elsewhere. You got a player like Patrick Peterson, who's a free agent, you know, and you got other players like uh, Hayson uh, Reddick, who's also going to be a free agent that they're going to have to figure out how they're going to sign these guys. So, you know, as part of with the limited cap this offseason, I see them, you know, losing players, um, trying to bring in a guy like 
J.J. Watt. Again, J.J. Watt is a game cha- changer with Chandler, him and Chandler on that defensive line, but I think they're going to have to sacrifice elsewhere because of that big contract they gave him. Yeah, uh, I agree. I honestly uh, was a little bit shocked by the Arizona move. Uh, that wasn't a place where I really thought was major on his radar, but it was kind of interesting to see that uh, in his thought process, he was also you know, valuing a place that had a solid starting QB. Um, there were reports out there that there were actually a couple other teams who even offered more. Uh, some, you know, conflicting reports, even it mentioned, even my Colts, you know, may have offered some more money. And um, it basically, he stated he wanted to go somewhere where he felt confident in the QB situation as well. So it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, the dynamics. That is, that that. is that a yeah. shot? Is that a shot at your boy? I, I think it can be. Um, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how Carson Wentz takes that and uh, how he potentially puts that on his shoulder. Uh, but really no hate here to the decision that he made. He reunites, you know, as mentioned with uh, DeAndre Hopkins out there in Arizona. Uh, so I'm pretty sure Houston's going to be looking at their guys over there and seeing how they perform. But overall, I mean, I respect the move. I don't think that this elevates them to really like a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. But it does, you know, put them in the mix playoff wise. Well, they're getting a guy that's a that's a part of the 100 sack club with 101 sacks. They're getting a future Hall of Famer and they're getting a leader. So I think that any any when you gave it to get one of those things, I and you know JJ White has had his injury issues, but I mean uh, he's rather he's rather young. Uh, he, he's only 31. So when you think about that, they'll get a good another three good three four years out of him. So I think that when you're getting a guy like that that can lead and can really, you know, be the glue for your defense. Now, will J.J. Watt stay healthy? I mean, that's been a question throughout his whole career. Can he stay healthy, which has been an issue for the past three or four seasons for him? Uh, he was fairly durable this past season. And, you know, he did some great things for Houston. But, I, I mean, Houston as an organization was a wreck. So I think a change of scenery, you're getting a motivated J.J. Watt. You're getting a guy that can be added on to that. Uh, you have a, a which Carlos alluded to. You get you got a um, a quarterback, a young quarterback that's get got another year under his belt. And D Hop was amazing this past year. So D Hop is getting another year in that system. The team is coming along pretty good. I think Arizona. It was a move that they needed to make. It was it was a move that they were able to sell JJ White that they could be a contender, which is why he went. Uh, my observation of it, just looking at it. Uh, I think that pretty much he went to a team that was the Houston, Texas two years ago to me when they did have a Deshaun Watson. Uh, they D-Hop was there. Uh, they, they were a fairly competitive team. They made the playoffs. I think that he's on that team. You know, I don't think that he went to an instant. Him being there makes them instant Super Bowl contenders like Lowe say. And even looking at that NFC West, I still have the Rams as my favorite to win that uh, that division. So I don't know if it actually tips the scale. I know it's fairly young in this offseason. We'll see what other moves that the Cardinals are able to make uh, to their team to make themselves a contender. But J.J. Watt made it clear that he did want to go to a contender. So maybe they were able to sell him and come in, going over there and convincing him that they were going to make some other moves that makes them more of a contender. But as for now, I don't think it tips the scale. It does make them better. But I don't know if I'm ready to say, hey, look, they're ready to run the table right now. So, like I said, I compared them to that Houston Texans team maybe in 2018 that uh, made that playoff run that they were, you know, really a hot item then because they have some of the same pieces. They have a team that's that, that can compete, but then again, they don't have a team that's going to really tip the scale. So, I'm, I'm happy for J.J. White that he was able to get out of that situation and he was able to get paid, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do and going against Stafford because he's going to be chasing him around <laughs> twice a season now. So, uh, if you don't have anything more on that, guys, we can move on. You got anything to add to that? Okay. All right. So we made it fairly, fairly young. Just going to kind of slide into NFL free agency uh, here. Uh, are there any moves so far? I guess before I got on this recording, I was trying to, I've been trying to keep up locking with my team. Uh, the Saints finally done a good job. We released Jerry Cook. Uh, Jared Cook has been released along with Josh Hill. Well, I like Josh Hill a lot, but I think it more so speaks on Troutman. We drafted him as a tight end maybe two years ago. I think we may have finally said, okay, it's time to hand the keys over. He may have shown something 
that has made us believe in him. So I'm really interested to see what we do with the, with the tight end position there. But uh, in, in, other, in another move we've made, uh, Malcolm Brown was able to, I mean, not, not Malcolm Brown. Uh, uh, I can't really even say his name. Ramon, help me with the name. You're good with the names. Uh, Anata. I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to embarrass myself. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? I'm not picking it up right now, no. No, uh, the defensive tackle, man. We, we spread out his contract. And uh, we spread out his contract. He was uh, throughout three years, and we gave him a bon- uh, gave him a bonus up front. And that was able to help us clear out $4 million in cap space. So I'm interested to see are the Saints trying to kind of, you know, shave some room to trade for – to make that trade for Russell Wilson. What y'all think? Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. I think y'all just right now delaying <laughs> pretty much <laughs> what we all know that's coming, you know, and that's releasing some of those guys. And, you know, I see y'all are making moves, but, you know, that Russell Wilson dream is a pipe dream. You know, I think Russell Wilson is going to stay with the Seahawks. All right, so I'm going to tip his name. His name is David Anayamata. Am I – I think I said that right. Is it Ayumata, I think? Ayumata? Ayumata? <laughs> yeah, I might. <laughs> so I, I didn't butcher his name, so no disrespect to him, but we was able to really kind of trim his contract down, and we was able to get four million dollars cap space. But go ahead, Ramon. What you think, man? You think we got a shot at Russell Wilson? Uh, you know, I guess we should do this for the listeners that don't know. Russell Wilson came out and said he wants to play in Seattle. However, if he were to be traded, he would want to be traded to four teams. One of those teams being the Saints and the Raiders. Uh, I forgot the other two because I got yeah, excited about the, the Cowboys, Cowboys and the Bears. And the Bears. So, uh, of course, you have to think that the Saints are the favorite landing spot, right? Uh, that might just be my favorite. I talking. think you just biased right there to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> but anyway, so, I mean, it's the rise because I don't know what you guys' thoughts on this. We hadn't got an opportunity to talk about it, but Russell Wilson just was talking about the offensive scheme. You know, David Carroll has a run-heavy scheme, as we've seen over the co- past couple of years. Russell Wilson wants to air it out. Uh, someone's saying it's because he wants his numbers, but I just think he wants to win. So, uh, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? They said that he was talking to – he was he has talked to David Carroll multiple times about changing the scheme and the game plan, uh, but David Carroll said, hey, give it some time. But Russell Wilson wants to win right now. He's not getting any younger, even though he's fairly young at 32, 33. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? What are you guys' thoughts on David, David – um, David, I'm sorry, Russell Wilson's thought process here. And where do you think ultimately he lands? Or do you think he'll stay in Seattle? And again, I want y'all to comment on that Saints piece. Yeah, think? yeah, I, I'll cover it all. But yeah, him and Pete Carroll really go back and forth. I think Pete Carroll has too much power over there. You know, I think what's going on is, you know, the same thing that happened at USC. You know, as they started off, he had the nice coaching systems. And then as it go, he's not answering to anybody, you know, Russell Wilson wants more say so in that organization. He is the face of that organization. There's no more Legion of boom. You know what I'm saying? There's no more Marshawn Lynch back there. You know, it's on his shoulders now to carry that team. So when you look at that situation where he's putting, he has the biggest contract on the team, you know, you feel, and he's the face of the franchise. You feel he will have more say so when it comes to, the team, you know, and I don't think he's had that over the last few years. And I think that's what the rift has been. Um, You know, I think ultimately his contract, looking at his contract, it'll be really stupid on the Seahawks part to move on from him because it'll be no benefit for them at all. Cap wise, they'll be taking a huge hit. Um, You know, the the gaining team will, you know, will be getting a pretty much a discount for a, a superstar team. So I don't see him moving at all, but, you know, speaking on the, the Saints situation, I think the Saints situation is a pipe dream, as I mentioned before and earlier. Um, you know, I think the Saints right now are in a, a cap situation where they can't take on a big contract right now like a Russell who's going to run him run them 20-plus mil. They have to get under the cap right now. I think their biggest hurdle right now is trying to figure out how to get under the cap and not gut the team completely, you know, and be a competitive team right now um you know obviously with the saints being the team in the worst cap situation going forward so um again i don't see them going getting rust you know it just wouldn't it, i don't I, I don't think y'all have the 
the money to do it right now. And I think it, it wouldn't make sense for the, the Seahawks to do it on their part. Yeah, you guys have some um, enticing pieces to send over to the Seahawks, but I really don't see the Seahawks doing that. It just wouldn't make sense for them. Because, again, if you're a team that's going to trade Russell, Russell, Russell. There you go again. About to mix it up again, huh? <laughs> we always do it. <laughs> if your team is about to trade Russell Wilson, you got to have a pick that's going to be able to replace him. And, you know, obviously with the Saints being a good team, their picks are going to be in the 20s and above, you know, going forward. So those picks wouldn't give them a quarterback in replacement. So I don't really see them doing that in that situation. It'll have to be a situation where, like, the Cowboys, right, makes more sense, right, if they tag Dak and then send that 10th overall pick over, you know, some situation like that. You tag Dak, trade him with that 10th overall pick to Russell for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. That situation makes more sense because now you're getting a top 10 pick. One of those quarterbacks may slip or you get Dak and you get a nice top 10 pick. So, again, I see that situation if he is traded. I doubt he is. Yeah. Uh I'll jump in and it's going to be pretty much short and sweet. I agree with basically uh, what Lowe said on this situation. Well, number one, to address the Saints thing, I believe it's a pipe dream. I don't really see that uh, that's going to happen. Uh, it would be great for the Saints, obviously, but I don't really see that happening. My only other thing to say on it is with this Russell Wilson situation as a whole, I don't see him moving. And the reason why I don't also see him moving is because unless a star is absolutely forcing their way out of there, unless it's a situation like a Deshaun Watson or an NBA, when we talk about a James Harden and all that, if a star is still saying, Hey, I do want to be here. Now, if I do go, this is my least list of teams, then you shouldn't be trying to figure out, you know, pretty much a way for them to get out of there. So until it gets to that point where it's like, either you trade me, like you got to figure this out and he starts to apply the pressure then that's when you make a move. Without him applying pressure right now, I would not make a move. You do not do that at the QB position when, honestly, if you make a move, you don't have any assurity there at that position, and we know that it's the most important position on the football field. Just to be clear, fandom aside, I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere, and it's for the reasons that you mentioned, Ramon. And I don't feel like they have a situation that makes sense there. I think that they will tweak the offense um, to Russell Wilson's liking. Uh, the weapons are there. I think defensively, ironically, that's where they need a little help in the secondary there. Even though they came along a little bit towards the end of the season, they secondary did get better. But I think there is where the issues lie. And I think that they'll fix that. And I think ultimately they'll, they'll come to some agreement there. Because I think ultimately Russell wants to – retire a Seahawks he's accomplished a lot there uh, he has a Super Bowl he's a Super Bowl champion there could have had two but that's neither here nor there uh, <laughs> because of Pete Carroll's uh play calling but that's neither here nor there again but it you know I think Russell Wilson is, is is okay but I think Russell Wilson is willing to leave but he's like y'all need to get y'all stuff together and I think that this situation can't become stale if it's prolonged past this year and I think they'll find themselves in a situation a year from now where nothing has changed and they're mediocre again, that Russell could potentially put their foot on it, put his foot on their metaphorical throats and say, look, I'm like Deshaun Watson. I don't want to play here. So they better figure it out there, you know, but I, it would be nice if we could get him. Though. But that, I know it's not going to happen, but if it does, y'all are not going to hear the end of it. I'll tell you that. We know. Which I love, which I a little, a little, uh, a little, uh uh Matthew Stafford news and and and, and Ramon with his this freaking uh Carson Wentz Carson Wentz news man that I think I trump y'all all if the if the Saints is able to, to win Russell by the way oh, yeah. side note why is it taking Drew so long to make a decision man like I, I don't mean hey. to make this a Saints but this is a, a story and no one's talking about it and this is what we do here we opinionated Ben Thomas let's get into it what is taking him so long I mean I think that I, the more I think I tweeted, the, the more time elapsed, the more I fear that he's leaning towards coming back. But I think the problem lies, I don't know if as an organization, we want him back because they've been close to the, to the chest about how they potentially feel about Drew. Uh, I think that they've given him his respect as far as not trying to push him out the door. But at the same time, I don't hear anything out of the organization. I haven't seen any stories or any leaks that saying, hey, look, 
we're really hoping that he comes back. So I, I don't know. I think time is elapsing. I, I think that it's been a, a time enough. I mean, I, th I thought at first he was waiting. He didn't really want to like rain on the Phillip Rivers announcement. He didn't want to rain on the Super Bowl. He didn't want to rain on Tom Brady. But all of that has been all it has in the past. Nothing's going on. What is going on with that situation? I think he's holding us hostage because we don't know. I mean, we got we got um, Jameis on the on the table, but Jameis is, is an unrestricted free agent. He can go in wherever he like. And the more time elapses, we're holding him up. We don't know if we can commit to him with Drew. I don't know what's going on. I'm as a Saints fan, I'm just baffled that this guy is holding us hostage like this. Yeah. Uh, I think honestly with that situation, I think it's really him wrestling with the kind of back and forth of him and Tom Brady. I think ultimately that touchdown record and all of those things still mean something to Drew. I think him seeing Tom Brady win a Super Bowl at the age that he wanted, he's still feeling that, hey, we still have some pieces here in New Orleans. We can still potentially get it done. And I think that he's ultimately wrestling with his decision. Um, I believe a decision like that, you need to be 100% sure, obviously, before you make that. But honestly, like we've all said on this podcast, we all think that he needs to hang it up. I'm pretty sure most Saints fans are what I will say, like true ones that really understand what's best for the organization um, and aren't just caught up in liking Drew Brees would agree with us that he needs to hang it up. So I believe that it's pretty much that. He's still wrestling with the decision. If Tom Brady, to me, were not in the league anymore and were out of there and Drew Brees definitely had that touchdown record and all of that, I think that he would be more likely to hang it up. But I think those kind of dynamics are what's playing into it. But he, he needs to make a decision. He can't hold a team hostage for much longer. Well, I just hope he makes up his mind because I'm really, y'all know how I feel. I've been very vocal on this podcast about how I feel about Drew. Appreciative for what he's done in the past, but if all the time is undefeated, it's time for him to let it go. I compare him to Kobe all the time because I feel like at the time Kobe retired, he still could average 20 points in the league. It may have been an inefficient 20 points, but he still could give you 20 points a game. But Kobe meant we weren't going to see him declining and ailing out there. When it was time to hang it up, God rest his soul, he did it. And we was like, man, why did he do it? But it's because he's like, I can't play at this elite level anymore. I'm not going to hold, uh, I'm not going to hurt the franchise any longer. Plus, I got too much pride. I'm not about to see y'all, you know, seeing me, <laughs> seeing me watched. Uh, I'm not going to let anybody tell me I'm watched, you know. So it, it is what it is, man. So we get into some NBA talk. We're approaching NBA All-Star Weekend. We discussed about, we didn't think the game should take place. But here we are. We're at the mid-season point of the year and it's time to really kind of call things for what they are we're starting to see the identities of all these nba teams we're starting to kind of get a feel for the players who's having a great year uh starting to crystallize who may be the favorites for these accolades as far as uh mvp six man of the year defensive player of the year all of these things so let's go through it as far as these mid-season awards uh, i want to start uh we start at the bottom and start work our way up to the big one, which is the MVP. But I think the rookie of the year, I think that we should start there. Um, the guys are uh, rookie of the year, who some guys we like. Who do you think is the favorite for that award and why at this point of the season? I think we all know who it is. It's, it's, it's Mellow. Mellow Ball yeah. is by four. I think is going to be the unanimous vote for rookie of the year if he's able to stay healthy. Um, kid is phenomenal, man. I think that it's remarkable what he's been able to do since he's been a starter. I like how Charlotte really took their time with him. You know, they didn't start him out. Start, he didn't start right out the gate. And I think that it, that helped him because I think a lot of times when a guy has so much hype out of their draft class, they think that it's given and not earned. He had to earn his starting spot, and he's been phenomenal. I think he's been averaging a little over 20 points, uh, close to seven assists, if I'm wrong, correct me. Uh, so far as a starter I and mean, he's yep, been phenomenal and been making plays uh, left and right I think that he I, I don't know man I think he is really he's that he's he's special man he really is he's special for Charlotte and I think Charlotte finally got it right you know they had Kimba there for a while but Kimba even though he's a phenomenal scorer I don't think he has the impact that Melo has he makes everybody better it seems like his teammates love to play with him 
And I think Melo is just, he's ready. His dad is molding him to be, to take this moment in. I think he's ready right now. That's, he has my vote for the rookie of the year. Yeah, I think that's an easy choice. And I think we'll all go with that. I think, you know, looking at the draft, he went three in the draft. So that means two teams pass on to Minnesota and obviously a team, the Warriors. Golden State, yeah. Right, the Warriors passed on him for Wiseman and Edwards. Edwards still, the jury's still out. He's still doing good things right now. He's not shooting that well right now. He's still, we've seen him baptize somebody in his dunk, you know, probably the dunk of the year. So he's still doing big things there. So don't get me wrong. I'm, it's not necessarily saying that they, it was a bad pick for them. But, you know, that Wiseman deal is going to probably take a while to see him develop because it takes big men a little bit longer to develop in the league, you know, as the league is fast, you know, they have to keep up. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. What did the Warriors really pass on that guy? I know LeVar Ball was saying, hey, he don't want his boy to be going to Golden State. He didn't want him to play there, you know, X, Y, and Z. But again, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that was a mistake, excuse me, <laughs> to pass on. Uh, <laughs> on. You good over there, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> He's got a little coffee. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. little... <laughs> <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see how that turned out. Him averaging 26 and 6, you know, at a 6'8 point guard. You know, and we've seen flashes of it when he was playing overseas. You know, we didn't know it would translate this fast. We thought it would eventually translate because how polished he was you know, coming out, but him translating this fast and his shot falling from three-point land, those are huge things, and his teammates love him. I've watched some of the games this year just based off, you know, playing fantasy and things like that, and his teammates love him. Like, he has fun with his teammates. You would think that, you know, him being in the spotlight, him being on his his show and all that stuff, they'd be like, who is this guy? But they, you can see they genuinely cheer for him. They, you know, pick him up, and, you know, they laughing with him on the sideline. You know, I know the, the original Melo showed him love, you know, last night, you know, with Tuesday night, we're recording this on a Wednesday, showed him love and they swapped jerseys. We saw all that. So the, the league is really embracing him and respecting his game right now. So I like that. I like I, I like what he did. And, you know, um, he's doing huge things. Yeah, uh, I don't really have anything else to add to it. I feel like y'all covered it. We're unanimous here and I don't really see how anybody really jumps into the discussion like Melo is the rookie of the year. Give him no award, honestly, right now. Let's do LaMelo. He hasn't earned Melo because we disrespecting the great Carmelo Anthony. So LaMelo for now until we figure out a new uh, nickname for this kid. I'll figure out what, figure out what his nickname will be. But Melo is, is Carmelo Anthony. I'm not ready to do that. It had to be said. I, I, will, I will say this. I will say this, add on to what Lowe said about the picks that were. I think James Wiseman was rolling but prior to his injury. He had a look, I think he had a thumb injury that had, and I think he's just getting back, but I think he missed like 10 plus games because of that. And before that, he was really, he was really good. I mean, he was what the Golden State Warriors, if they had any weakest weakness in the past decade, was them having a center or a big man. And I think that they have, I think that that was what they needed. Uh, to Anthony Edwards' development, he's had great games. He's had, you know, decent games. Uh, just kind of, you know, keeping up with him. I think he's going to be a project along with, you know, Minnesota's previous picks when they went after, um, goodness gracious, they traded him away. Come on, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins. I think he's going to be a project like Andrew Wiggins, but I think he's going to be better than Andrew Wiggins when it's all said and done. So it's more of a project. I don't know if Melo, I don't know if, I'm sorry, I don't know if uh, LaMelo is going to, I don't know if LaMelo would have the success he's having if he didn't fit so well with what Charlotte has. Charlotte has a bunch of high flyers uh, in Miles Bridges and, and uh, P.J. Washington. Uh, they have a, a, a veteran score in, in, um, in Scary Terry, Rozier. When you look at it, when you look at how that team is built, I think LaMelo fit best with Charlotte. So, I think that it complements, I think it says a lot about the success he had and says a lot about his talent, because I think he's a pure special talent, but I think that he fits so well with what Charlotte doing. I'm not sure if he landed on Golden State or if he landed, um, if he landed in Minnesota that he would have been this good. So uh, I just, just quickly on that, I think Minnesota, yes, Golden State, the only thing that makes me pause on that one a little bit is what he does still would somewhat kind of take away from what Draymond does as far as the way that Draymond facilitates and gets that offense going. So I think Golden State would have been a tougher plug, 
but I still believe also in Minnesota that he would be um, doing what he's doing right now. But like you said, it's a great fit for him right now in uh, Charlotte, and we'll just kind of continue to see how things progress. But he is uh, clearly and definitely by far the rookie of the year at this point. So we'll just continue to see how, how things go. Dang, yeah, I mean, y'all speechless. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I had one thing to add to that. You know, just kind of looking at the team and the team building. You know, who do you see? You see Charlotte? Do you see Charlotte or you see Minnesota making the playoffs first? Uh, I would say Charlotte, and the reason I say Charlotte is because if the playoffs started today, Charlotte would actually be in the playoffs. That was actually something that I was gonna think about or allude to later. You know, if we do talk about these surprise teams that you know charlotte is one of those ones they're sitting there in that eight seed right now and we give mj a lot of grief of how he's done and how he's built things in the past but he really has kind of gotten it right this time around he drafted the right person he got the grief about gordon hayward gordon hayward has actually been playing uh really well for them you know terry rosier has been playing well uh miles bridges as we talked about so I think uh, definitely with that, um, you know, answering that question, I, I definitely would side with uh, with Charlotte and especially just to, you know, the difference in the East and West. I'm not going to say that it's like night and day, but it's definitely more difficult to make it in the West than it is in the East. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next thing was, you know, do you see you, you would say right now that LaMelo is better than Lonzo? Right now? Yes. Yes. Which is very, wow. yeah, which is very interesting. And I'm not, I'm not going to shade Lonzo at all because Lonzo actually, if you pay attention to him in this recent stretch, he's been sent playing some of the best basketball of his career. Even the way that he's been shooting the ball lately, like he's been over the last, I want to say about 10 to 15 games shooting like between 40 and 45% from three uh, right now. So he's playing some of the best basketball. He still is a better defender than LaMelo, but it's actually crazy to see I didn't think it would be, but I think Melo is La Melo is already a better passer than Lonzo, and that's crazy to even think about. You know that the fact that, and then of course he's a more aggressive scorer. He'll get to the rim more often. He attacks more. So I think that he is a better player right now, and it's crazy too because Lonzo said that Lamelo would be better than him, but he said too that you know with them at their current states that Lamelo wouldn't be better, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Look at us starting great conversations off great conversations. This is great podcasters. <laughs> no, nah, but we get back to it, man. We get back to it. Uh, just moving along uh, to the sixth man of the year. I think we'll be unanimous because of he was a former Laker and was dear to our hearts. Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm speaking for myself. But Jordan Clarkson and what he's done with the Utah Jazz, who's, who stands atop the Western Conference, we didn't expect it. I evaluated them the other day, and, and I can't quite put my finger on why they're so good. Because uh, I think that their primary score is Donovan Mitchell. So their secondary score is their sixth man, Jordan Clarkson. Um, and the steps and leaps and bounds. But, okay, let's start at John Clarkson because I'm getting ahead of myself. Do y'all collectively agree that John Clarkson is, is way, way ahead in the six-man of the year award talk? Yeah, give it to him now. Okay. Man, so what do you think of the Jazz's makeup and what attributes to their success? Because they kind of remind me of those Houston Rocket teams where James Harden was at the helm and they just would kind of be up top the West, but then when they get in the playoffs, they couldn't get past the first or second round. That's what they remind me of to me, of those, you know, 20, what, 2014, uh, Houston, 2015 Rocket teams that would just kind of, you know, make it to uh, be a top the West. They was everybody's favorite. Is it fool's gold that the Jazz is atop the West right now? Just considering the Lakers injuries, uh, considering the load management that the Clippers are doing with Kawhi, and I, I really don't feel like that's another conversation for another day. I really feel like they can't figure out who's the man there. I think Paul George wants to be the man, but ultimately talent wise, Kawhi is the man, but Kawhi is a little passive to take over. But again, that's another that's going off on a tangent, but just bringing it back to the jazz. What do you think that, do you think those guys are for real? Are they true contenders 
Because I don't believe him. Yeah, I mean, I think you you nailed it. I think it's a little bit of fool's gold where they're currently at, you know, in the situation. I think where they're currently at in the situation with those injuries and things that's going on in the West, it's a little fool's gold. But I think they're a good team. And, you know, I know you mentioned a team that they remind you of, but they remind me of that Atlanta Hawks team when they had, you know, um, Millsap. When you had, you know, they were just a deep team that, you know, any given night a player can really go off. I know they have Donovan, but, you know, as their lead guy and, you know, Rudy is their, their defensive, you know, anchor. But they really remind me of that that Atlanta team that can compete with anybody because they have so many bodies. You know, you think about Joe Ingles. He's a guy that, you know, some nights give you three points. The next night he's doing it all from assists, rebounds, and scoring. Then you got a guy that from Boban coming in, you know, another score, outside score. So you look at that team and how deep they are. Um, and then you obviously, you know, the sixth man of the year, you got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, you know, putting up buckets, you know. And I didn't even mention Donovan, you know, really what he's done at leading that team. So I think just because how, again, how deep they are, they can give anybody fits in – uh, the playoffs, you know, and I think they play good defense. They have good defense. They have a good rim protector, and they have players that can guard on the outside, you know, and they have good size. So that's what's scary about them. Um, you know, I don't know. I think experience is what's going to get them in the playoffs. You know, I don't think they have the experience yet on their team to make a deep playoff run, but I think they will make some noise. I think there will they will be that Atlanta team, maybe get further than what people expect, you know, knock a couple teams off and get a little further, but then ultimately lose because of experience. Yeah, uh, I believe that that one seed means a lot to them. Um, I think that they, I mean, they do have pretty much kind of a hold on it at this point, and I think that they have to hold on that to that for their longevity in the playoffs. Um, I don't view them as a true contender to say, hey, this team can get out of the West. This team will get it done. I think you explained it perfectly, Lois, with comparing them to that Atlanta Hawks team. Also thinking of, of, you know, times where the Toronto Raptors were the number one seed out there prior to Kawhi coming. You know, we've seen the Milwaukee Bucks. We've seen these teams that can really thrive in the regular season. But when it gets to postseason, when it gets to rotation shrinking and, you know, it doesn't just get down to, you know, your ability to play 10, 11, 12 guys. Um, then I think that you'll see that difference there. I do still think that there'll be, you know, definitely a, a second round team, you know, potentially get to the conference finals, depending on how seating goes. Um, if things started today, the way that seating is, I would probably have them going out, you know, in the second round if everyone is completely healthy. Because right now in the second round, and maybe this is me putting too much stock into this team, but right now in the second round, they would have to play the Clippers, I think, if things started today. Um, so I think that they are a good team in the West, but I think that ultimately, um, I don't see them as a team that I really think, you know, will get out of the West. To me, they fit right in that same group as the Phoenix Suns as a team. That's a really good team, but a team that's really, I don't think going to be a contender to get out of the West. Okay. Yeah. So basically their fools go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, move on to the next award that we got here. Um, the next award I want to discuss is Defensive Player of the Year. Um, this one's tough for me. Uh, I mean, when the season first started prior to AD's injury, excuse me, prior to AD's Dang, injury. Both of y'all are struggling today. <laughs> I would have I had Anthony Davis, but to me, Ben Simmons, man, I think Ben Simmons has heightened his plight to it. Uh, I mean, when I saw him make that play against Damian Lillard, I think it was the game-winning shot. You can go at Damian Lillard. And I'm like, bro, what the – like, what is going on? Like, how can you really go – like, when he – you know, guys say all the time he can go at one through five. No, Ben really can go at one through five and to keep it with Damian Lillard. And we know what Damian Lillard tri- – uh, tra- uh, rap sheet is man, he's clutch man, game time, and he was able to lock up. Then I looked at, I was like, okay, okay, maybe, maybe luck. And then you look at what he did to Luca, Luca Doncic, he shut Luca down. Nobody's talking about it, but he shut Luca down. I think Luca had like maybe 19 points that game. So, I, Ben is really 
has convinced me that, I mean, his stats may not support it defensively, but just the eye test and watching how he locks down, that's my defensive player of the year favorite right now. And that's if AD is going to have to have a very, very strong second season to capture that. Yeah, AD too far behind, in my opinion. It's not going to even happen on AD and um, miss too many games. But I would say I agree with you. That's who I had in mind as well. Just, I mean, I know we talked a little bit before about who was the most important player, the second player on that Philly team. And we talked about on the last podcast and I just said what he does defensively. So that's why I had him in mind. And like you said, he's mentioned this before in a, uh, uh, in a post game that he can guard one through five. That's six, nine point guard. I've seen him do all five positions and guarding the best player on the court each in each night. You know, which is, is something to be talked about as the point guard. You know, you when you're the point guard, you handle the ball the most. So think about that a little bit. When you're the point guard, anybody that played directly, pickup, professional, anything, you know what I'm saying? When you play a point guard, it's tiring one already going up and down the court, setting up the offense. It, you are already tired. It's the most work position. You're getting the most steps. The, you, you're spending the most energy at that position. And to do that at the point guard position, then turn around and guard the best player. And to play defense, obviously, it takes work. Is you know, you got to take your hats off. And to be able to guard one through five, which makes that team dangerous because they can just switch. They can just switch. The pick and roll game that the NBA like doing, they can just switch. So it'll be interesting to see um, – you know how who because really I don't think there's a clear favorite as defensive player of the year. I mean I know Rudy Gobert' name is always in the hat each year. You know it's kind of like LeBron the MVP race. His name you know Rudy Gobert because of what he does for that team. His name is going to always be in the conversation. But it'll be interesting to see if Ben Simmons can steal it this year. Yeah, um, and I think so. I think Ben is definitely a, a very interesting candidate. You kind of alluded to where I was really going to go direction wise. Is Rudy Gobert. Uh, you look at that team. They've been a top five defensive uh, efficiency team all season. They sit, I think, third right now um, in the league as far as defensive efficiency. And so with Rudy Gobert being that anchor of that team, I can definitely see him grabbing it. Now, a name that may shock people or throw people off, I don't think that ultimately he'll win it and people don't see him in this regard. Uh, but LeBron is leading the league in defensive win shares right now. Um, and the Lakers have, of course, the number one defensive efficiency as a team. I don't think that he'll ultimately get it. But when you look at it, leading the league in defensive shares, you look at the Lakers leading the league in defensive efficiency, there's a case that can be made there, honestly. But if I had to choose, I'm choosing Rudy Gobert. Wow, way to go against the grain there, Ramon. All Gotta right. mix it up. So we're going to go, we're going to get into it, man. MVP is where we've been trying to go. Again, I feel like there was a clear leader in the beginning of this season. And ironically, in the same way in AD, he's a Laker, LeBron James. I feel like he was a clear favorite at the start of the season. I thought he was on pace. He was competing with Embiid. But unfortunately, Embiid has taken another leap. And I don't know if you guys agree with me here, but I think Embiid is the favorite. I think what's hurting LeBron is that I think the magnifying glass was on him and how he would perform in the absence of Anthony Davis. But I think Anthony Davis and his absence has proven that has proven to us and LeBron fans and, and everybody else, you know, and has shown Lakers fans in us that we're speaking is that LeBron needs AD more than we ever have known. And I think that with, AD being out, I felt like it was an opportunity for LeBron to make a case that, hey, look, I'm the MVP. I held it down. But instead, I think our record without AD, I think we, we, we won two. I think we're like two and three without AD, if, correct me if I'm wrong, in the last uh, five uh, games, two and three, something like that. Yeah, like we had a better record earlier off in the season without him, yeah. but later yeah. in this stretch. Yeah, so I'm saying the last five games in, with AD being out for a month when he was – when we told him from that date on those five games out there, it was two and three. So, uh, and then LeBron, LeBron's not even playing before did tonight. And I guess because of all-star stuff and then, um, it's not nothing to be alarmed about, but MB here, he's, he's a, I think that Doc Rivers really got him rolling. Uh, I don't have his stats pulled up in front of me, but I think MB has been a force down low and he's worked his way from inside out instead of outside in. 
And I think that Shaq and Chuck and those guys are applauding him and they taking credit for it, but the guy's been banging inside cost. And I think that that has allowed him to really have a lot of success. And I think that he's been the dominant big man that we expected him to be when he came into the league, man. And I'm not seeing any weaknesses in his game. And he also on defense, he's been very effective. That's my MVP. I think he's the motor for Philly. I think he's having a great season. I think, man, do we get some, we get some credit to Doc there and his staff for really got really have convinced him that he needs to be inside. Because when he's inside, I'm not going to say he's dominant as Shaq, but he's dominant, dominant-esque like Shaq, uh, if that makes sense. I think that I haven't seen someone dominate down low on the block similar to Shaq since Shaq. And I think that he's been similar. Now, I'm not going to say he's Shaq. He's similar to dominate. And I don't think he can be stopped down low. Yeah, I agree. I think he's matchup proof right now. You know, think about it. We look at we today is Wednesday. They're playing against this defensive player of the year. You know, candidate we talk about and Rudy Gobert, and it's pretty much halftime, and he got 20 points on him. Again, Rudy Gobert, who's supposed to be the defensive player of the year, you know, or has been the defensive player of the year multiple times. You know, we talk about that. He's matchup proof, you know, and he's he he got 20.7 rebounds going into halftime. He about to drop a 40-piece on the defensive player of the year. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, how his career ends, you know, I know early on was the injuries, but now we'll be see, we'll see how it take off. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. I, I do believe that he is the MVP favorite at this point. Um, going against the grain, kind of how the LeBron being brought up was going against the grain. I think that a guy that doesn't get talked about enough in the MVP discussion right now is James Harden. Um, and I know that the situation, you know, was Excellent. crazy with what, Excellent. yeah, with what happened in, in Houston, you know, I know he's found his way over there to Brooklyn, but the way that he's been playing, uh, the way that he's been playing the game with the stats he's putting up, the 25 points, leading the league in assists with the 11.3 assists per game, 8.7 rebounds, um, with him being basically the most key factor or honestly pivotal factor for that team um, over there in Brooklyn with KD missing time, Kyrie missing time. Uh, I honestly do believe that, you know, he is is somebody that needs to be considered. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And I'm glad you brought him up because of discussion that I was going to have. And then we're going to get right to it. So, yeah, man, you know, what I'm about to say, as far as James Harden, is this the best version of James Harden that we've seen in his career? I mean, we've seen some magnificent years. I mean, we've seen, I've seen a span to where I felt like he got cheated out of that MVP season. If it wasn't for Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double, which have have never been done in NBA history, I felt like James would have got it that year. And, but he, you know, and I felt like it was another year in between there that he could have got it. It was one of the years that Steph got it. Right, it was one of the years that Steph got it that I felt like uh, James could have got it. It was that close, but I honestly, Ramon, this is the best version of James Harden that I've seen. I feel like, I don't know if it's because he's around better players and he's putting up these massive numbers and on a successful team, uh, but we've seen him in games without Kyrie and KD, and he's still running that ship, and we've seen him with, without KD, and he's still running that ship. But I, I really feel like James Harden, he's been wonderful to watch. Uh, in, in this, I'm, a, I'm trying to hurry up and call this now so I can go see him play right now against Houston. But it, it you know, he, it just seems like he's taking a leap to bounds. So I want to ask you, and uh, shout out to Lowe's. Lowe's had to get out of here. So it's just me and Ramon holding it down right now, by the way, listeners. But um, what do you do? Is this the best version of James Harden that we've seen in his career? Um, Ooh, that's a tough question because like you said man he's had some great years I mean you look at years where he didn't pretty much he had so many consecutive years where you know he didn't average 30 plus we didn't seen 36 plus from him um at a certain point but I think in totality in a style that of course leads to winning uh I would say yes you know this is definitely the most efficient that we've seen him um, so this is the most efficient we've seen him as a scorer. He's settled into, you know, his role for this team that's going to make them 
uh, flourish and be the best that they can by, you know, being that scoring point guard, you know, truly setting up and not just being dribble, 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 dribble. Then I get it to you at the last <laughs> Shout second. Shout out to Chuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> dribble, dribble, dribble. Right, exactly. Yeah, like you, Chuck. Wait, hey, chill out. Try to slide that in there real quick. <laughs> Try to slide that in here real quick. But um, but no, I, I think that in totality, like this is the, the best version that we're seeing of him that can translate into true success and true potential championship success um and honestly like going over there you know I was envisioning okay that's KD's team you know seeing okay who's going to be that number two guy between James Harden and Kyrie how are they going to figure that out but it's like he's gotten over there they figured it out and he's really honestly been the engine to that team and to me will continue to be the engine because he's going to continue to be that facilitator in setting everything up And so that's why, honestly, in the way that he's been playing in all facets of the game, I believe that he's a true MVP candidate. And I think that it can't be overlooked just because KD is there, just because Kyrie is there, because they have missed time. They have missed stretches. And honestly, when they have missed, the team still hasn't missed much of of a beat. So uh, I think that that has to be acknowledged. Man, the best sports podcast in the world, man. We was able to intertwine and give you mid-season team evaluations while we did the accolades. You see us? You right. see that? You see that? That's how you blend topics, man. Right. Because right. I heard some podcasts out there, not to throw shots, that don't know how to do that, man. But we did it. We out of here. So we we on the time stamp because we like to keep it compact. So we're going to go and kind of breeze through these NBA all-star type deals because mainly because personally, Ramon, I'm going to give my opinion here. I do not care. I do not care. I could care less about all-star. I'm not excited about it. I don't think it should be taking place. And just by virtue of the fact of what the dunk contest is going to be at halftime, am I mistaken? Yeah, it's uh, something weird. Like something that. weird. I'm like, I think it is. I think it is halftime because I think that the skills comes before the game and the three point comes before the game. I think as well. Yeah, it's just, and then it's, dunk contest is halftime. Like guys, if you got to do all that, we shouldn't have had this. But anyway, nonetheless, we that we're gonna spend a little time on it, Ramon, just for keepsake because there are some fans that listen to us that uh, of the NBA that want to hear our take on it. So I'm gonna start off with the. Uh, uh, I guess the, the skills challenge. Um, I don't, you could take it away there. I, I, I'll go before you go. I, I'll go ahead and name the contestants in this. Uh, the skills challenge, the NBA has selected these guys to participate in. Um, I've never heard of some of these guys, I never heard of. Um, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm done playing, but anyway, so we got Robert Covington, we got Luka Doncic, we got Chris Paul. Julius Randle from the Knicks. We got Sabonis from the Pacers. And we got Bullchich from the Magic. And I've heard of all these guys. Uh, I'm fans of their games. I, I really, I'm really fans of all of these guys, except for Robert Covington on this list. No, no shots to Robert Covington. It's just go ahead, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh so as as far as the competition and and who I'm pegging as the favorite in this, I mean, I feel like Luca is kind of an obvious answer. But I'm going to actually go with an underdog, and I'm going to say Julius Randle. And the reason why I'm going to say Julius Randle, too, is I believe that this is going to mean something to Julius Randle. Like, this is his first All-Star game. This is his first time on We didn't do most improved player. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. We left that off the list. But <laughs> we'll ahead. catch it at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch it once the season wraps. Yeah, the next episode. Next right. Episode. But um, but I, I'll go ahead and select Julius Randle. I know it's an unconventional selection, but I believe in this type of competition, you got to truly care about it. You got to – you see some of these guys, yeah. they get out there, they kind of just chilling as they dribbling through, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cones or doing that. I believe Randle right. is going to truly come and compete. And as long as he can hit the perimeter shots that are associated with it, uh, he's my pick for it. Yeah, we're spending too much time on the skills challenge. Okay, I got you. All these guys are skilled. All these guys are multifaceted. Uh, I think I'm, I'm my favorite is Chris Paul. I know that I've been on this podcast recorded saying he's one of my favorite players to ever play the game. But I think Chris Paul, this, this really kind of fits who he is. I think the, the most skilled people on this list, Vooch is very skilled. Um, so bonus is very skilled, obviously. Robert Covington, that was just a throw-in. I don't know where that yeah. comes from. 
Um, I would have thought he would have been in a three-point contest rather than the skills right. But look like they couldn't find nobody else to do it, so they picked him. No disrespect to him. That's the second shout out for him. I like, <laughs> you know, shout out to him. But I, I think I think Chris Paul, I think this has his hands written. And it's like you said, Los, you said, I mean, Ramon, you said a key word, if he cares. If he cares, I think he can win. But it's gonna be down, come down to him and Luca. So moving along, we got the three-point contest. We got Devin Booker from the Suns competing, Jalen Brown from the Celtics. Stephen Curry from the Warriors. That's surprising that he'll compete in this, right? Right. Zach Levine from the Bulls, Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz, and Jason Tatum of the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Stephen Curry. It might surprise you there. I, mean, I think if he cares enough, like you say, I think that it should be easy uh, for him to, to – the greatest shooter like that we've ever seen in life should be the right. favorite here. So, Right. Uh, I'm going to go quickly with it on this one. And actually, I'm going to go for a little bit of an upset and go Zach Levine. Wow. Uh, Zach Levine is shooting uh, 43% from three right now this season. This is the best that we've seen him shoot the basketball. And um, I, I'm going to actually go with a little bit of an upset pick. I know that he's typically the high flyer in the dunk contest, but that's going to be my pick for three points. Okay. And we got the most exciting, the best contestant ever. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Most of you probably have not heard of the or heard of any of these guys. We got Obi Toppin from the Knicks, which was a high, was their first pick of this past NBA draft. We got Cassius Stanley from the Pacers, who I'm not too familiar with. And we got Duke and and Fernie Sanders. Yes, I'm familiar with him. He had some great games in the bubble this past year, is why I'm and then plus I'm a trailblazer. I'm a fan of Dame, so I watch a lot of trailblazer games, which is why I'm familiar with him. Again, I don't understand why he's in it. It doesn't make sense to me. I hadn't seen anything that would project him to be in this, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go Obi Toppin because I'm most familiar with him, and I know he can really throw it down. He's really athletic. Uh, not to say Cassius isn't, but I just – I'm not familiar with these guys. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Cassius Stanley, and uh, it might be a homer pick because obviously Cassius played at Duke, uh, but Cassius came to Duke oh, and, yeah. broke, <laughs> and broke Zion's record for uh, highest vertical leap in the program history. Uh, so Cassius can definitely get up. He can definitely fly. And so um, he's going to be my pick. But like you said, this probably will be one of the most underwhelming dunk contests we've seen because there's yeah. literally no star value to it at I'm all. I'm literally more excited about the three-point contest. I'm really more excited about the skills contest than, than the three-point contest and the dunk contest. I, for me, it's three-point. I still think that overall, you still, even though you do have your Chris Paul, you have your Luka Doncic, I think as the total field, yeah. I still think that the three-point field is like the best overall when you got to Jason yeah. I, I, yes, I get what yes, you're saying, gotcha. Ramon, but I know that they're shooting a great percentage from three. But Jason and and Jalen, they are more they're contested shooters. I don't really feel like they're like spot up shooters, like in grab it shooting, grab it shooting. I don't even think Donovan Mitchell's shot really is predicated on you know stationary shooting. So I mean, I think it has a lot of star power, like you say. But when you really break down these guys' shot in their form, a lot of these guys on this list is just star power. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If you disagree, that's fine, but that's how uh, I feel. I disagree a little bit more with Jason Tatum. Um, I do believe that Jason Tatum can is it, just a, a really good shooter, um, but he's still not, I mean, the top contender that I have. When I look at top contenders in this I really have singled out Zach Levine, Steph Curry, and Devin Booker. So that's honestly who I yeah, that's honestly who I think is gonna come down to. But I just think that it still is the most like star power or star studded competition. So um the fact that Steph is in this, I'm like Steph Steph has won what two already? Yeah, I think so. So he's going for the trifecta. Why why not for the three-point competition? Why not, of course, Dame be in the competition and they have one area where they have to shoot the ball from a further distance, like from 30-plus feet? Mm-hmm. Why not change it up? The game has evolved. You talk all about the time about, you know, how Steph shoots from deep, how Dame shoots from deep as the highest clip. 
why not have one of the racks and either make them choose or let it be from the top of the key where they have to shoot it from 30 plus and the points go up for that specific rack? I agree. I agree 100%. And I think that Dame should have had his. I know Dame's going through a lot, but Dame. Yeah, he is going through a lot. As a fan and as a competitor from a sports standstill, I would have loved to see him in it just going yep. against, you know, stuff. And I'm sure if he didn't have what he's going, what's going on in his life right now, you know, if you haven't heard, he's had six people, six loved ones and friends die in the past year and a half. So he's going through a lot. I'm a huge fan. Keep your head up, Dan. We're praying for you. We support you, you know, but I would have loved to see him in it and, you know, as well going against stuff uh, in this. But yeah, man, so that's All-Star Weekend wrap up. Uh, we appreciate our listeners that have lasted this long. Um, we we are going to go ahead and get on out of here, but we just want to let you know that we appreciate you guys. Make sure that you are following us on O underscore Benchwarmers. You subscribe to us. Just search Opinionated Benchwarmers on any of your platforms where you like to listen to your podcast and give us a subscribe. That way you'll be notified whenever we do drop a podcast. We're going to be in. We're going to get on out of here. And until the next time, we out. All right, later.